WATD presents Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. If it's Monday night, it's got to be Monday Night Talk with Kevin Tachi. So thanks for having me on. Kevin, good for you to hold back and let him tell his story. Putting the South Shore spin on politics, current events, and pop culture. You guys are the center of the universe today. At least the political universe. I believe both of you are, are from the area. Marshfield guys, yes, no? Correct, yeah. That's right. There's only one person not from Marshfield in this room right now. And it's you. It's me. <laughs> I'm the outcast. Well, you've always been generous with the time. I appreciate it very much. Oh, I'm honored to be on your show tonight, Kevin, with that impressive lineup you have. I believe our guest that we've been waiting for, Congressman Stephen Lynch. Kevin, good to join you. The governor of the Commonwealth, very Charlie Baker. You ready? i got to tell you that uh, it's really nice to hear Aerosmith on the intro there. You're going to be the rock and roll governor? I don't know about that, but... <laughs> we have Mayor Joe Sullivan joining us, sir. How are you? Well, Kevin, very good to be with you again. Dr. Drew Pinsky. Dr. Drew, are you there? I'm here. Thanks for having me. Mr. Ming Tsai, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, thanks, Kevin. Massachusetts State Auditor Suzanne Bump. Hello, Auditor. How are you? I am fine, and I'm delighted to be with you this evening. And now, your host, Kevin Tachi. Welcome and good evening. You are tuned into Monday Night Talk. Here at 95.9, WATD coming to you live from the big broadcast house here in Marsh, Vegas. My name is Kevin Tachi, and I will be occupying the airwaves until 7.59 and 59 seconds, maybe even right up to 8 o'clock. we got a great show lined up for you. Of course, I say that every week. Hopefully, I pay off each time. After you get done, if you don't turn the dial somewhere around 6.40 or 7 o'clock or 7.30, that you also agree that the conversation is good. It's unique. It's not something that you hear over and over and over, that it's a unique conversation. That's what we are trying to strive for, at least try to have some unique conversations. Sure, we could do it the old way like Bob Hedlund used to do and talk for two hours and make it a, a dissertation on a particular subject because well, the senator then, now mayor, had that bandwidth. Well, instead, we've kind of broken it up, and we have multiple conversations with a variety of individuals about an assortment of topics. Hopefully, they're topics that are near and dear to you or something that you want to be better informed and educated about. That, at least, is tonight's mission statement. Will it change next week? Eh, we'll see. We kick things off right after we check in one final time. Traffic on the Nines with Gina Tempesta. Uh, Amir Phillips. He has been hired by the city of Brockton to become the new manager of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so we'll, uh, we'll get to know Amir a little bit better, find out about um, the job and what the intent focus is of the new DEI manager and how it'll make Brockton a bit better and some of the folks that they hire and put in, the, put in positions uh, to be getting a city job are somebody who is in fact... Um, diverse and that there's equity and inclusion when it comes to being able to attain those jobs. And then we speak with Richard Rosen, longtime valued premier sponsor of Monday Night Talk, local business owner, 
You know him from our conversations. We've talked real estate with him, but mostly we talk with him about uh, his two restaurants, uh, the pub and the patio. McGuigan's Pub, which has been around just a skosh over, I think, 13 years. It might be 14. I believe it's, it might be a, 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 an anniversary coming up for one of them. I believe it might be the patio uh, coming up this week. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, talk about staying in business. Maybe you've heard. There, there are a few establishments here on the South Shore that are deciding that enough's enough. Can't keep up with it. It's a tough business to provide meals, be able to, you know, get the supplies you need and then turn a profit. A lot of businesses post-COVID deciding to close their doors. But we'll have a chance to speak with Richard. How is he doing it? How is he persevering? And uh, also, more importantly, what do they have on tap for the holidays? So we'll talk with him about that. Hour number two. We welcome in State Representatives Allison Sullivan Almeida and Matt Muratori along with Greg Eaton. Uh, he is a co-host of a podcast called Right Massachusetts. And we're going to find out what's wrong with the Republican Party. Why can they not get their why why can they get not get the necessary gains they need whether it's in the state legislature, constitutional offices, or an office that uh, they actually had somebody who was a who actually was a, a Republican for two terms, Charlie Baker. How does the Republican Party make gains and, and at least kind of level the playing field when it comes to the parties, the party of, of control? We'll speak with them about that. And then our final segment, we are going to welcome back uh, Emmy Award-winning uh, filmmakers, Newbertson Rateau and Will Madero of Newbie Productions, they created a, a film called I Am You. We promoted it earlier this year, had discussions about it as they were getting ready to premiere it and show it around the area. Well, time's right for them to come back and talk about how were the showings. Because these weren't just necessarily just showing what they created, but following each showing, they had a panel discussion. And the panel discussions would discuss what they saw in the film. And the film focused on immigration here in the good old USA. So tonight's conversation is discussing what they have gleaned out of those conversations. And if any of this information that they were able to collect and discuss means that we're heading in the right direction or we're just circling the drain. So it's all coming up in a few moments. Hopefully... You'll stay with us until 7.59, 59 seconds, uh, close to 8 o'clock. My mother started Brennan's of Plymouth Center 30 years ago. Brennan's Smoke Shop has been the South Shore stock and stuffer destination ever since. Now with 10 going on 11 locations across the South Shore, South Coast, and New Hampshire, it's easier and more convenient than ever to fill your loved one's stocking. Customers must be 21 years of age or older and proper ID is required. Brennan's Smoke Shop, the best stock and stuffer destination in Massachusetts and New Hampshire for 30 years. We've been selling wood pipes, glass pipes, metal pipes, ceramic pipes, acrylic pipes, and the newest silicone pipes. Lighters, ashtrays, scratch tickets, humidors, grinders, cigar cutters, vaporizers, rolling machines, flavored hemp wraps, 
Pollen papers, pipe tools, pipe lighters, smell-proof pouches, stash jars, can safes, digital scale Zippo lighters, and the best cigars in the world. Brennan's Smoke Shop, wishing you a happy and safe holiday season. Monday Night Talk continues all week long. Go to 959WATD.com slash Monday Night Talk and keep in touch on Facebook and Twitter. And now, more Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. A different tip of the cap to the 50,000 folks who actually have downloaded an episode of Monday Night Talk. Uh, please keep the downloads coming as we do our best to keep the uh, the upload the latest discussions that we have here on 95.9 WATD. First uh, gentleman who's going to be joining us uh, is uh, someone who was previously with uh, Massachusetts Institute of Technology in Cambridge. He is now joined on with the city of Brockton. He is the new manager of diversity, equity, inclusion. We have Mr. Amir Phillips joining us. Amir, welcome to Monday Night Talk, sir. Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you fine. Can you hear me? I can, I can. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. You got it. So, first and foremost, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure thing. Um, so, I am originally from Stoughton, Massachusetts, nice. uh, so right out of the South Shore. Um, went to BC High out in Dorchester for high school uh, before going to Holy Cross, so very proud to be from Massachusetts as well. Uh, as you just mentioned, I spent a couple years working at MIT. Uh, I was doing some multicultural recruitment work out there. Uh, big shout out to you know any of my students who are listening and this y'all. Uh, but very, very happy to join city of Brockton and join the team with the mayor and, and um, the lovely office of HR there. So really excited to kind of take to jump into this role and, you know, roll with the punches, so to speak. So Let's let's talk a little bit about your role with MIT. What, what was that like, and what were some of the things that you were called on to do during your time with them? Yeah, sure. So I worked um, actually within the admissions office. So um, the majority of my role was, as I said, I did multicultural recruitment, so particularly uh, finding students of color throughout the country to try to um, get them through the admissions process, and then we utilized real programming to have them see the campus and uh, hopefully fall in love from it from that standpoint. Uh, so that was one part of my job. And then the other part, uh, which was evaluating applications um, in early action, regular decision, meeting with college counselors, uh, talking with families in terms of how to finance um, the decision and, and doing things of that nature. So. So, so how do you see this relating to what you'll do in Brockton? Yeah, definitely. So a lot of the work that I did with Students of Color and with the office at MIT uh, directly related with diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so um, kind of stepping into this role, of course, the city of Brockton is not um, necessarily an institution, but I feel that a lot of the trainings, a lot of the workshops that I was able to implement, a lot of the uh, things I learned in terms of recruiting diverse people can definitely kind of be utilized and transferred into this particular position. So um, it's a bit different, but definitely think that there's a lot that I can utilize from my from my prior experience. Now, now will you be, who will you be reporting to? Will you be reporting or working directly with 
the city's HR director? Are you going to be working with the, the mayor and the mayor's chief of staff? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So my uh, my role is directly kind of inputted within the HR office. So a lot of the hiring, a lot of the retention, a lot of the uh, selection processes is what I'll be doing with uh, the HR director. But I'll also be working with the mayor um, in terms of going to department head meetings and kind of hearing out what other departments might need in, in regards to DEI work. So. How important is it, you look at a city like Brockton and how diverse it is, how important is it that it's, you know, when it comes to a lot of the different city departments and the, the, the employment opportunities, that it's, it's just as diverse and that there is equity when it comes to hiring individuals to serve the city? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it is. it needs to be a priority. It, it, it is, I mean, we work on behalf of the city of Brockton, right? So it's important that the cities, um, the schools, and like you said, the various departments really kind of, um, you know, look like the city in which we serve. You know, Brockton is such a diverse city, um, and there's so many different vibrant types of cultures and life there. And so, you know, coming into this role, I definitely want to do my part in ensuring that there is an equitable access to working within the city, but also that we are well represented um, or well representative of the city in which we're trying to serve. So, so, so talk to me about getting the call that, that you had been hired. What was what was that like to, to hear that you're going to be coming back to the area that you grew up in and and be working in such a role? Oh, I, well, I still live in Stoughton, so um, I was very excited. Um, I spent a lot of time, I mean, I still spent a lot of time, maybe too much time at Westgate. Um, I like the little Popeyes over there, and uh, my mom and I love to go to Westgate Lane. So I, I have a lot of love for Brockton. Um, it's, it's a part of my own kind of experience growing up. And so having the opportunity to kind of step into this role and give back in this way, um, I was really excited for And so when I got the call, uh, you know, I did a little happy dance. So I was very excited. Um, yeah, it's just really, really great. I'm just really happy to be a part of the team. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you a serious question here. And that is, is so if, if you were approached about some of the great bar pizzas and knowing that you're a guy from Stoughton, home of Town Spa, and someone approaches you and asks you about about Cape Cod Cafe. How do you handle this situation? Oh, oh! I mean, I I, I did grow up on Town Spa, so I got a lot of love for Town Spa. But Cape Cod Pizza, it, it is also very, very good. I don't know. I think the longer I spend time in Brockton, I might be switching teams a little bit. But I hope <laughs> I hope I don't get in trouble for that. So. So what? So so getting back to, to talking about being that the new manager of of DEI, uh, what's some of the things that that you'll have to do now? You've you've already started, correct? Yeah, yeah. I'm okay. In my third week. All right. So so what have you what have you done to kind of at least be ready for for certain situations, hiring situations? Is it a is it a matter of of policies and procedures? that that maybe that will be followed or at least guidelines that you'll at least represent when you're talking with other members of the HR department? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So a lot of the time uh, so far in my, in my first couple of weeks has been really kind of um, being onboarded and shadowing the HR director to kind of know what procedures and policies are in place currently for hiring um, new staff and, uh, and new kind of employees, so to speak. I've also done a lot of work in terms of reaching out to specific department heads, uh, and I've also had like a a one-on-one with the mayor as well to understand what his 
viewpoint is and what his vision is for DEI for the city. So uh, it's been a lot of listening, a lot of note taking. Um, you know, I'm hoping once I have an opportunity to touch upon everybody or all the stakeholders, so to speak, internally, we can start to roll out some new kind of procedures to make sure that, like I said, um, the city, like city hall and the employees that we all um, kind of are represent the city well. So. Mm. Yeah, and how how important is it that you're more so coming in and you're listening? You know, you got two ears, one mouth. You know, and it's a matter of you know listening twice as much before you actually speak the words. How important is it that you're you're at least taking notes, uh, copious notes, to at least know you know how how to best serve the city, and especially in this role. Yeah. No, that's a great question, too. You know, as much as I am, like I said, I'm very used to, to Brockton. You know, I recognize that me coming into this role specifically, I'm new, right? I don't want to come in and have preconceived notions. I think that I have an answer that will fit every kind of problem that there might be. So, you know, I really want to be intentional in terms of how I'm stepping into this role. Mm. And when I say listening to people, you know, this is not just the mayor and department heads I want to hear from administrative staff. I want to reach out to community organizers. Uh, you know, local businesses, uh, diversity-related businesses. I want to hear as much as I can so that when I do start to offer suggestions, they're not coming from like, oh, this is what I just think. It's based off of the copious notes that I was able to take, listening to everyone's needs and desires and what they feel um, DEI should look like in Brockton specifically. Have there been any discussions as to previous situations or issues that the city has dealt with where they want to where the city and, and the, the folks who are the department heads want to set a new precedence moving forward has there been any discussion as to how things have been done previously and how to move away from any particular situations that, the, that have been dealt with in the past um not too much in particular. I think because this is also a relatively new role, a lot of people are kind of looking, they're letting me know that, you know, like, for example, training is something that we really would like in our department or, um, you know, if you have new ideas in terms of recruiting younger, you know, students or, or, or people of color to apply to these positions, it's a bit more of that rather than specific kind of issues or concerns that have happened beforehand. But again, since the role is a bit new, um, a lot of times, a lot of the conversations I've had are like, you know, this is kind of what we would like, but you're the one that seems to be the expert in some way, shape, or form. So what do you think? Uh, which I also really appreciate as well, that, you know, people are allowing me that space to uh, really kind of jump in and get my feet wet, if that makes sense. How does that feel? How does that feel when they come to you and say, well, what do you think? You are the person who is well-versed in this situation. Uh, well, I feel, I feel like people are really, um, you know, as much as I'm willing to listen, it, it feels great to have people, uh, particularly people who have, you know, been at City Hall for as long as they have, or regardless of whether they're new or old, kind of looking to me and being like, you know, this is also your space too now. Like, you don't have to feel like um, you're an outsider. Or you don't have to feel like you have to, you know kind of stay back all the time like we want we invite you in here because this is also your community too so it really makes me feel great and even you know getting the opportunity to talk with you also makes me feel great as well it just makes it's just like a big welcoming hug if that makes sense so i'm just really like i said i'm really excited and really happy to kind of be a part of the team so if you're just tuning in we are speaking with amir phillips uh, he is the new manager of diversity equity and inclusion for the city of Brockton, and we're talking about uh, his making the transition from uh, MIT to being hired by the city of Brockton to uh, for the city to do a better job 
or at least at least make improvements when it comes to uh, bringing in folks for employment and, and better serving the community. And the community, you know, that, that anybody who is working for the city, it, it, actually it uh, resembles or it's, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? That the folks who are working for the city, it's basically, it's there's a diversity when it comes to, you know, uh, not only the, the folks who are, you know, residents, but also the folks who are serving in such capacity. Is that Does that sound correct? Yep, that's perfect. So a- anything that we haven't touched upon, but you feel is kind of important to, to share with the listeners in regards to um, what the city is doing in regards to uh, its hiring practices? Um. I think one one thing I always like to mention as well as it pertains to, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion is, you know, it's really, you can have someone like myself in the role um, as, as a manager or as a coordinator or whatever the, the case may be, but it's really important that, you know, people understand that I'm not doing this alone. Um, there are a lot of other great department heads. We actually are um, reforming the diversity, equity, and inclusion advisory committee at, at City Hall. Um, because a lot of this work, you know, you do in collaboration with others. You know, this is not necessarily, you know, one kind of siphon or one kind of little spot. You know, the mayor has made it clear that he wants everyone included in this, included in this, because ultimately, like I said earlier, the city of Brockton is a very diverse and inclusionary kind of space, right? So um, it wouldn't make sense if it was just myself doing it. And one of the questions that I wanted to ask prior to starting in this role was to make sure that, you know, even if I'm the one coming in kind of spearheading some particular hiring policies or, or, or program management, that like, it's not just me. Like, I want to know that that passion is, you know, throughout the, throughout city hall, if that makes sense. And so I'm happy to say that that is definitely the case. Um, and so if it's not as all that's to say, I know there's a little bit of word mumble, but all this to say, there are a lot of great people at city hall who are willing to do this work and who are working collaboratively with me in order to see some of these things change and improve. Now, would this call on you, or have you taken it upon yourself to attend the, the Commission on Diversity's uh, committee meetings that they hold on the first Thursday of, of the month? So I actually, to be transparent, just found out about that. Um, so I definitely will be attending. Um, I, I found out less than 48 hours ago about the diversity of commission. So um, definitely will be attending that. I do want to try to meet up with the, you know, the commissioners who are on that as well to hear their thoughts and to see how I might be able to, you know, further empower them um, from that standpoint too. Well, it definitely sounds like a, an exciting opportunity to advance the the city of Brockton into the further into the twenty first century, especially when it comes to uh, uh, employing individuals and and having a, a diverse, equitable, and inclusion type approach to doing so. Yes. Well, listen, I want to thank you so much, Ramir, for for joining me and uh, discussing uh, your your hire and, and your vision moving forward. Anything you want to say as we wrap up our conversation here? Uh, no, just again, thank you so much for having me. Um, like I said, I'm really excited to, to kind of join this role and, and be here. Also, anytime spot people, I'm sorry if you heard that part. I, I like I, I, Cape Cod pizza is really great as well. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry about that. But no, thank you again. I really appreciate you know you allowing me to use your platform to kind of talk a bit more and reach out to residents in this way. Absolutely, and and uh, if if the need ever arises and you want to have a, a further conversation 
Uh, it's always welcome on this radio program, and you would be uh, welcome with open arms to, to discuss such topics. Excellent. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You got it. There he is, Amir Phillips. Uh, he is the new uh, manager for diversity, equity, and inclusion for the city of Brockton. And uh, we'll talk more, I'm sure, down the road somewhere to find out how things are uh, trending when it comes to uh, the hire and how the hiring process is going. We're going to step aside. You are tuned into Money Night Talk here on 95.9 WATD. Stay tuned. This is Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi on 95.9 WATD. Holiday well wishes and cheerful tidings are one thing. But after a year of good behavior, we're all wondering, what's in Santa's bag? Listen this week and next week for Santa and his bells. Ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas. And be the correct caller to identify the toy you'll hear about in a classic commercial. And you'll get a nice new prize from your station for all seasons. 95.9 WATD. The Daniel Webster Estate at 238 Webster Street in Marshfield presents its Christmas Show House for 2022. The Christmas Designer Show House is an exclusive nine-day event, December 3rd through the 11th. General admission is $15. Seniors, $10. Tour hours are 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Weekend hours are 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Thursday, December 8th and Friday, December 9th, 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. For more information, go to thedanielwebsterestate.org. Each year, about one out of two men and one out of three women will develop cancer. But there's good news. Today's cancer survival odds are much better than two or even three years ago things move that fast. So if you're diagnosed, be sure to have someone in your corner who is on top of all the latest cancer treatments and techniques, the latest research, the newest equipment, all the newest medicines available through clinical trials. And speaking of corners, here's more good news. Advanced cancer care is now just around the corner. The Green Cancer Center at Signature Healthcare treats patients locally with all oncology services and specialties conveniently housed under one roof. The center is affiliated with Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center, so you'll be seen by Harvard medical faculty physicians and oncologists. The Green Cancer Center at Signature Healthcare, in affiliation with Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center. Cancer has just met its match. Find out why at mysignaturecare.org slash cancercare. This is Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. Welcome back to Monday Night Talk. Thank you so much for Amir Phillips for joining us. So right now we speak with local businessman Richard Rosen, fine proprietor of the patio and McGuigan's Pub. I will tell you, Richard, I had a stumble moment because I almost gave the the tip of the cap for an anniversary to the wrong. Uh, to the wrong establishment, and then I caught myself and realized that this Thursday, I think it's this Thursday, no, it's this Friday, is the anniversary for the patio, right? No, it's the anniversary of the pub. Oh, so I was right. Yeah. A- age is catching up with me, Richard, sorry. Well, I didn't want to say that, but... <clears throat> but well, speaking, speaking of which, should, should Larry and I sing happy birthday to you? I saw pictures. Yeah, but you can do that a week from today. 
Now, I'll, be on a, I'll, I'll be on a boat somewhere, dude, having a cocktail. It's not happening. Nice. Yes. My, uh, my wife and kids pulled off a um, couple of surprise parties two nights in a row. Nice. It, it just worked out well. But, no, it's next Monday. Okay. Oh, wait. Am I hosting your show while you're away? <laughs> Do you want to? You barely <laughs> no. could get through 45 minutes last time. What, what, how could you get through oh, two hours? God. No, I couldn't do it. Sure. I mean, maybe you you and Morgan White Jr. can do two hours of trivia. I know he does it on another radio signal uh, that has 50,000 watts. Yes. Yes. No, we're good. All right. So I, I actually teased the thought that, you know, it's becoming tougher and tougher to have a business these days, knowing that there are establishments here on the South Shore that are closing because, yeah, uh, it's too tough. Uh, in Abington, the depot has announced that they are going to uh, soon be closing their doors because it's just too gosh darn expensive and there's just not enough of a return. Yeah, it's <clears throat> it's becoming a real problem. Um, there's been several announcements lately. Um, a place in Wareham that's been there for, I think, close to 50 years is closing. Like you say, I heard the depot is closing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard that there's a few 99s that have that are closing, it's it's becoming really really hard um, to operate a restaurant. I mean, you you can't you can't keep up with the increased prices that we're paying for stuff. You can't raise the prices enough to cover it. Mm. For instance, and you know I don't pay a tremendous amount of attention to the cost of the food items because my wife does and the chefs do. But they were talking the other day about a case of romaine lettuce that overnight went from $83 to $135. It's like, so what do you do? You you raise the price of salads overnight? You can't do that. I mean, it's just, and that's just one product. It's just one thing after another. It's very, very, very difficult to, um, to stay open. You know, we saw somebody go by the wayside during the pandemic because businesses didn't know how to reinvent themselves. Businesses on the fly. I think I think you can attest to this because you have a lot of friends on the South Shore who also have businesses. Had to figure out how do I go from being a strictly eat-in restaurant or establishment to hey, let's serve takeout or can we give serve a bottle? Can we give them a bottle of wine with this without it being some kind of a, a legality stuff like that. You and I have had this discussion many times. We have. I mean, we reinvented ourselves every day. It was it was crazy. Um, but we kept the pub open. Um, we had 13 people on payroll, and we just simply did takeout. We closed the patio. But, you know, we've made it, and, um, and we're going to make it. And like you were saying, that Friday is our 13th anniversary at the pub. It seems kind of crazy. We're going to do some um, customer appreciation stuff. Um, but not until after Christmas and the holidays, because we want to be able to give something going into next year. So, you know, we haven't actually finalized what we're going to do, um, but we will have some customer appreciation things um, after the new year for the pub. How is the holiday uh, tree uh, making out? Has it been, have you transferred it from having like the, the turkey, uh, turkey uh, Thanksgiving uh, 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 ornaments on it to now it's full Christmas? It actually went up. Um, what do you mean it a went up? I thought it stayed up. It, it's up. It went up a couple of days after Thanksgiving, and <clears throat> after Christmas, it will become the Valentine's Day tree. 
and then after that, I believe the St. Patrick's Day tree. And I don't know if it will make it to Easter, um, but it is the holiday tree. You know, we have people come in there every day that we're open, every night that we're open to take pictures in front of that tree. Yeah. It's really, as you've seen it, it's it's a pretty magnificent tree. It is. It's huge. It's 18 feet tall. It's lit. It's lighted. It's pretty cool. My goodness. Well, now, is there going to be any changes, any modifications to the menu for the holiday season, or is it just all the great things that we're used to, whether you go to the pub or you go to the patio? Um, we're going to change the menu in the patio a little bit um, in the near future. We're in discussions right now on what we're going to add <clears throat> and subtract, which, you know, we do that um, every now and then. And the pub, not so much, although, you know, we have just recently changed that menu. And the daily specials, of course, are, are a big thing that we do. Um, so not, not any major changes right now, but there will be some little minor subtle changes in the very near future. Do you feel that's the key to success is, is not being stagnant when it comes to your, whether it's the things that happen inside the restaurant, maybe it's activities, single, having trivia to, you know, tweaking the menu and adding things and subtracting things? It's absolutely an important part of what we do. I mean, if you stay still and you're stagnant, the world's going to pass you by and you're gone. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to be creative. You have to change things. Um, you have to stay on top of the game. You have to be, ver and you've heard me say this a million times, you mm -hmm. have to be very flexible. Uh, if you're rigid in what you're going to do, you're gone. And nowadays it's even more so because it's so difficult um, to even be in business. So I hear that your your honey is becoming uh, a thing these days when it comes to, and, and folks don't know it, we've talked about it a number of times. Richard is a local beekeeper, and uh, what the, with the little uh, beehives that he has out in his backyard are able to, uh, to make uh, Richard sells, or is, has, has it for, uh, for sale at other establishments. Is that wrong? That's correct. Not to mention that we have a TV show. Um, should we disclose who the producer is? You are. No, aren't you? I, I'm, I'm, I, 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 and yes, and I actually have entered it in for a creator award. So, which would be, if we won, would be the third award that the TV show has won. That is correct. You know, it's funny. Just before we came on the on the radio, I was reading this month's Bee Journal, and I was just telling my wife that honey has now outpassed sugar as the most popular sweetener in the United States, and which is hard to believe. And honey producers can only produce 25% of what is needed in this country, of what is wanted. Um, and it's also the third most adulterated food in the world behind seafood 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 and olive oil it's crazy but you'll never get any better honey than mine as you know because it and you've seen how the whole process works nothing touches it it goes from the hive to the bottle after going through the um little spinning thing that we have yeah that's that's actually season four episode four Okay. Of extracting the honey, yes. I don't remember. That's okay. Um, so, just like a lot of a lot of businesses uh, around the holidays, there is uh, a way for folks. If you're looking for a unique way to give to that special loved one, gift cards are the way to do it these days. 
And, and we've started our gift card special. We give you a $5 card for every $50. We give you a $10 card um, when you buy a $100 gift card. Um, and it's very popular. We sell uh, an, an awful lot of gift cards, and they're good at both places. Um, so if you buy one at the pub, it's good at the patio, vice versa. Great gift. Great gift. And there's plenty of honey if you want to buy some honey. <laughs> so do you have to... Could, now, is that at the... Is, is Where would you be able to find the honey? Is there like a little counter? What if somebody walked in and specifically either wanted uh, pub swag or honey? So if you walk in, it's behind the bar at both restaurants. And if you ask anybody, they'll... They'll find the honey. You know, we actually have, and I, you and I have talked about this also, that we have people that come in just to buy the honey, you know, because they've seen the TV show or they've heard us talking about it. They don't come in to eat and drink, but they'll come in and they'll buy the honey. So it's great. It's all good. It's, it's a fantastic, uh, fantastic thing. The, the other thing I wanted to ask is how is, how is it as far as uh, being able to find servers because that's another issue that I think a lot of businesses are dealing with these days, and that is, is is help finding folks who want to be in the industry and who want to who like, you know, working with customers. Yeah, it's <clears throat> as you know, it's been a problem for some time to find employees. Um, right now, we are in the need of um, a couple of chefs. Um, it, it's really difficult, and you know, people have multiple jobs. So, you know, the restaurant business. The only full-time people other than the managers are the cooks. You know, the, bartend, the bartenders, the waitresses, they all have other jobs. Um, and it's, it's just hard to staff. Um, it was hard. It's been hard since the pandemic. I suppose the good news is, is you know, even though people are getting COVID still every day and dying every day, um, for the most part, people are out. And people want to go out and people want to spend their money and they want to have a cocktail or have dinner outside. And um, at the end of the day, we've been very, very busy, um, which is good. People were stuck in the house for quite a while. And, um, you know, a lot of people were depressed for uh, quite a period of time, and, and they're out. And, you know, with the holiday season here, it's 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 nice. It's fun. And, um, you know, we're booking a, a number of hol- holiday parties. And I think the Whitman Mothers Club has an event Saturday night where they they go around to different establishments and have cocktails and celebrate. So um, that's the good news is people are out again. But, you know, the one thing that makes me concerned is, is you're still hearing the news about, oh, wastewater numbers are up and, you know, we're going to see another, we're going to see another surge. I don't think we'll ever see another day where we're going to close the world down because of this. That we're going to basically persevere. It's an endemic. Yeah, it's you know probably going to be like the flu. You get a shot and <clears throat> and uh, you're going to be okay. But right now, there are so many people that are sick. I mean, everybody that I know is sick. My wife, my kids, um, and it just it lasts. I mean, they don't have COVID, but they have colds. And you know, I think I think that nobody was sick for a couple of years unless you had COVID because everybody wore masks. And then nobody wears masks now, and people are sick again. So I got to believe there's there's something to those masks. It's crazy. Such is life. Well, before we let you go, we just got a couple of moments left. Anything we haven't 
Anything we haven't talked about, do you want to make sure that we, we touch upon? Again, we're always appreciative of you being a, a premier sponsor of this of this radio program and discussing some of the things that, that you do with those two restaurants that it was just one day you woke up, you said, you know what, I want a restaurant, and you, you made it happen. And who would have built another restaurant next to one that they already own and, and see success in both? You. Well, thank you for the kind words. <clears throat> It was a crazy thing to do 13 years ago. It was a crazy thing to do three years ago. But the good news is we're still around and, and we've succeeded. Um, I think, you know, uh, other than the fact that, that failure is not an option, I think the fact that we own our own properties um, is extremely important. I mean, in, in any business model, I think owning your own property is, is huge. Um, there is one other thing I'd like to talk about. Sure. Can we talk about your intro? Yeah, I know. You hate that thing, don't you? I hate that intro. I know. I mean, you should hear the things it says about you. It's as old as... It's as old as... My daughter, for God's sake. Listen, I I work 14 jobs. I I mean, it's... I don't have enough time to sit down and go, okay, let's take this cut, take this cut, take that cut. I'll I'll work... Listen, listen, listen. I'll make a promise. Wait a minute. How old are you now? It's never mind how old I am. How old are you? When you're on that cruise having a cocktail, you should be sitting there thinking about, you know what? I should change my intro, and these are the cuts that I should Every time I hear the intro, I think of you saying that I should should change the (laughs) intro. So if that that doesn't help you. I'm going to call you while you're in the middle of the ocean someplace and play your intro. (laughs) I think I've got it recorded someplace. I bet you do. And yeah, I wish I did. It's easy enough just to download the podcast and play the first 20 seconds. It's that easy. I know the guy that owns that radio station. I'm calling him. Yeah, well, you talk to Uncle Scrooge and you tell him (laughs) what I said. Okay. Oh, geez. Well, when are you leaving? Soon. Secret. Oh, yeah, we can't talk about that. We can't talk about that. Yeah, sorry. You're the one that brought it up. I know, I know. But it was just like in passing, so. Oh, right, yeah, that's we won't talk about it anymore. So again, so um, as we as we get ready to say goodbye, and you teasing me, folks want to the website, phone number <clears throat> when it comes to the pub or the patio. So the pub is open for lunch on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then we're open every night except Mondays for dinner. Um, and we have um, Singo half price pizza on Wednesdays. We have entertainment every Friday and every Saturday night. Um, and the phone number there is 781-447-7333 and the website is mcguigganspub.com and the patio we do a trivia uh, we do um, Taco Tuesday I think they're like a couple of bucks and we do trivia during the week and we also have entertainment there on uh, every Friday and Saturday night and that number is 781-447-7333. And um, we take reservations at the patio. And uh, if you go to the website at thepatiomcwiggins.com, you can um, you can find how to do that. And, um, <clears throat> and it's all good. There he is, Richard Rosen, the, uh, the pro- proprietor of uh, McGuigan's Pub and the patio in downtown Whitman. Be sure you check them out. Richard, happy holidays. And I look forward to talking to you you soon. We'll talk soon. Thanks. You got it. Bye. Yeah, bye. All right. We are going to step aside. That's it for hour number one. It's gone. We're all going to be smiling come hour number two. You are tuned in to Monday Night Talk here at 95.9 WATD.
Hi, I'm David Singer from Brooks World. Join us once again in front of Roche Brothers in Marshfield. We're selling Christmas trees to benefit local children in schools for college scholarships, travel overseas, and computer equipment, both in our town as well as children overseas. We're open from 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. every day until all the trees are gone. To learn more about Brooks World, please visit brooksworldtravels.org. We look forward to seeing you in front of Roche Brothers in Marshfield. Suzanne Allmendinger with the Marshfield COA Boosters. Our mission is to provide financial resources to the Marshfield Senior Center for programs, supplies, and equipment not covered by the town budget. To get involved or make a donation, please visit our website at marshfieldcoaboosters.org. Thank you, and please continue to support the amazing nonprofit organizations on the South Shore. Hi, my name is Pam Denholm and I'm with Weymouth Food Pantry. Our mission is to help neighbours who are experiencing food insecurity and we do this not only during the holidays but all year round. We serve Weymouth from our warehouse which is located in Rockland. To get involved, to make a donation or help make a difference, please visit our website at weymouthfoodpantry.org. Thank you and please continue to support the amazing nonprofit organizations doing good work on the South Shore. Join the North Shore Chamber and Unicare as they honor the region's veterans and military at the second annual Salute to Veterans Breakfast on Thursday, November the 10th from 7.30 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. at the Boston Marriott and Peabody. Thanks to the generosity of the Chamber's member businesses, all veterans and members of the military are invited to attend for free. Marshfield, WBMS Brockton. The South Shore's first choice for live team coverage of breaking news, emergency traffic, and severe weather. WATD. Streaming online at 959WATD.com and with your smart speaker just by saying play WATD. A final push from Senate candidates in Georgia. Tomorrow is the last opportunity to vote. Supreme Court takes up a gay rights issue. It's kind of pitting the First Amendment against anti-discrimination law. Thousands are in the dark after someone killed the power in North Carolina. This was an intentional attack. This is the CBS World News Roundup Late Edition. I'm Monica Ricks in New York. Election Day is tomorrow in Georgia's Senate runoff. CBS's Skylar Henry is following the candidates there. Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock began his final day of campaigning with members of the Teamsters Union in Atlanta. And I promise you guys, if you stand up with me just one more day, I'll stand up for you for the next six years. Republican challenger Herschel Walker continued his evict Warnock bus tour. Now we're working on turnout, turnout, turnout. Walker needs big turnout to win. The Supreme Court heard oral arguments in a case pitting gay rights against free speech and religious freedom today. CBS's Steve Dorsey. Attorney Kristen Wagoner says Colorado shouldn't be allowed to force the website designer to create content akin to messages at odds with her faith. Colorado declares her speech a public accommodation and insists that she create and speak messages that violate her conscience. Justice Sonia Sotomayor raised questions about the precedent it could set for broad discrimination. How about 
about people who don't believe in interracial marriage or about people who don't believe that disabled people should get married. Duke Energy says it could be Thursday before power is restored in Moore County, North Carolina. Sheriff Ronnie Fields. The individual that done the damage knew exactly what they were doing to cause the damage and cause the outage that they did. Ukraine is also having energy issues following a new wave of Russian attacks. CBS's MTS Tayeb is in Kyiv. Around 40% of the Kyiv area is without power. As we were driving into the city, many of the roads were in complete darkness. But that Ukrainian resolve is always there. Uh, we have emergency crews who are going out there trying to find whatever downed power lines they can and putting them back up. Michael Avenatti is not getting out of prison anytime soon. The former attorney has been sentenced to 14 years in prison after admitting he cheated four of his clients out of millions of dollars. That's in addition to the five years Avenatti's already serving for two unrelated convictions. The 51-year-old rose to fame representing porn star Stormy Daniels during her legal battles with then-President Trump. In court, Avenatti said he's deeply remorseful and contrite. And CBS's Matt Piper reporting. And Nike has cut ties with Kyrie Irving a month after the Brooklyn Nets star posted anti-Semitic messages on social media. His deal was worth $11 million. Now this. This hour's newscast is presented by Rocket Mortgage. Need to know what it takes for a home loan to fit your budget and your family? Rocket can. Good evening. We have been in a pattern of very fast-moving systems with cool, dry air and then just a Brief rain event for several hours, only followed by more Canadian air. That's changing now as high pressure just offshore will stall out over the western Atlantic. Overnight into Tuesday morning, not as cold, fair in the mid and upper 30s. And gradually the clouds thickening up during the day, though still some sunny breaks here on the south shore. It'll become rather balmy. By Tuesday night, periods of rain right through the day on Wednesday, tapering off to a bit of drizzle. A high of 53. Thursday, still on the balmy side with clouds gradually showing some sunshine in the mid-50s. And then with that storm way out over the ocean, it'll become blustery on Friday. It looks like a storm system will stay just offshore. It'll be colder into the upcoming weekend. For WATD, I'm meteorologist Rob Gilman. This is Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi, on 95.9 WATD. Hi, I'm David Singer from Brooks World. Join us once again in front of Roche Brothers in Marshfield. We're selling Christmas trees to benefit local children in schools for college scholarships, travel overseas, and computer equipment, both in our town as well as children overseas. We're open from 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. every day until all the trees are gone. To learn more about Brooks World, please visit brooksworldtravels.org. We look forward to seeing you in front of Roche Brothers in Marshfield. Hello, I'm Brian Beitler, Bishop for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Hingham. On December 10th from 6 to 8 p.m., our congregation is inviting the community to our annual live nativity experience. The event is free and open to the public, and cookies and hot cocoa will be provided. The event will occur rain, snow, or shine, and our address is 379 Gardner Street in Hingham. We hope you will join us. Merry Christmas.
Monday Night Talk on Twitter. Start at 959WATD.com slash Monday Night Talk. And don't forget to add hashtag Monday Night Talk to your tweets. We now return to Kevin Tachi and Monday Night Talk. All right, we are back later this hour. We will speak with Nubertin Rateau and Will Madero. Talk with them about their uh, their movie, I Am You, and some of the conversations that they've had with the uh, post-movie panels. That's coming up. But right now, we have state representatives, Allison Sullivan Almeida. Mm-hmm. Matt Muratori. No hyphen. No hyphen. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> and uh, a co-host of... Wright, Massachusetts. Greg Eaton. Happy to be here, Kevin. I don't know. Greg <laughs> loves being in the uh, the studio. Um, he does a nice job. I hear him on Wednesday nights. The uh, the last time Alice on, and on, I on the Valenzuela talk. The last time Alice and I were in the studio together. <gasps> That's right, Donnybrook. Yeah. We were we were having a debate. Yep, we were having a debate. Oh my God! We ran against each other. <laughs> oh, really? I'm kind of getting yeah. a flashback here. Yeah, we were here too. I was. <laughs> I was. I think it might have been sitting somewhere around here. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, the reason why I've called you all here is just to talk a little bit about how things, the state of the Republican Party in Massachusetts. I thought it was an overdue <clears throat> conversation, an earnest kind of a conversation. And how do you uh, and I want to get your take on it I have you on on a regular basis and it's great we talk about what's happening in your district what you're doing up at the state house but I don't think there's the times where you have a chance to kind of talk about you know how things are going whether with the party or what it, what it's like out there again when we look at the state of Massachusetts it's primarily Democrats and more so come 2023 because as of the 2023, the executive branch will now be taken over by the Democrats. Mm-hmm. How do you go? We'll start with Greg, and then we can kind of <laughs> work down. Greg, I mean, you're somebody who's worked on behalf of the of of the Republican Party and trying to find gain a foothold to make gains. I think I think there are folks who want to see there be a balance when it comes to things um, politically, but in Massachusetts, we we don't see that. Why do you think that is? Yeah, I mean, this is... Uh, That's kind of a loaded question, yeah, but I want to... I, mean, I put it on the plate and let's see what you do with it. How much uh, How much time you got? Um, <laughs> no, but the, the I think the serious, like, crux of this is uh, there is a fundamental disagreement that happens within the Republican Party, and the people that are actively involved in the Republican Party know about that divide, but the general voter doesn't. And the thing that's problematic, I think, to uh, the party and its candidates is that they tend to get dragged down in this whole inter-party fiasco, for lack of a better term. Uh, And it drags down our candidates, and uh, I think it does a disservice to just your run-of-the-mill Republican voter in Massachusetts. So I turn to Matt and Allison. So in, in, in 2014, when I ran, um, and I didn't know anything about the Mass GOP and how it operated, but in 2014, um, when I was elected, we had, uh, we had several um, offices throughout the Commonwealth that we could go to. And, and in Plymouth area, we had one um, by the airport. 
that we could go to to get support. We had a lot of support as candidates. Uh, we had uh, not only people, but we also had some dollars that were given to us, etc. And, and that was wonderful. At that point, there were um, there were 20 of us that were elected, and uh, nine out of the 20 were Republicans. And at that point, we had 35 Republicans in the legislature out of 160. Um, now, sitting here today, we're at 25. Uh, with two that are pending, uh, waiting for recounts. Mm. Um, so so I look at it and say, okay, well, what has happened since then? And I think Greg said it best, is that we, we've kind of, uh, we've been infighting among ourselves, among the party. And as you said, Kevin, we are such a, we are such a small part of the, of the political fabric in Massachusetts. We don't have room to be fighting with each other. We have to be coming together. We have to be able to find common ground between, you know, between conservatives and moderate Republicans to come up for the greater good for Massachusetts to create that balance, which, as you just pointed out, we're not going to have on Beacon Hill now. We don't have a balance, at least with, with Baker, whether you, whether you as a Republican, whether you, are, you agree with him or not, at least that created that balance with the Democrats who are in power. And we didn't see any gains in the recent um, election. No, we've lost. No gains, right? Right. No, luckily, gr- luckily, we we got one new colleague so far, uh, and hopefully two. But we we didn't gain any more seats. But that's that's in the house, correct? Right. In the house, yeah. The they were able to hold on to the Sean Dooley seat. Uh, Marcus Vaughn uh, won the ninth uh, Norfolk um, seat, and then uh, the so the overall results for the Massachusetts Republican Party. Uh, as it stands right now, the Republican Party lost two sheriff's races, uh, one district attorney race, and as it stands right now, they lost three state representative seats. Uh, the first Essex, uh, the first Middlesex, and the first Bonspool district uh, were all losses by the Mass GOP. And there's currently a recount going on in the first Middlesex district um, to establish whether or not those results um, are going to hold. Uh, the Republican candidate is currently down 17 votes going into the recount. Is this problem with the Republican Party? <clears throat> and, and, and I just want a, a little bit of a blanket statement here. Hmm. Uh, is that I carry the water for no party. But I like having conversations, talking like hmm. with Democrats and talking with Republicans and, and kind of finding out what's going on respectively with your districts. But even having a conversation like this like I would like to see it be a little bit more even. Is this is this a systemic problem with the Republican Party, and is this something that can be fixed relatively in a short amount of time, or is this something that's going to be long and drawn out? Allison, what do you think? I mean, I th- definitely think there are certain steps that the Republican Party can take to try to make immediate fixes. Um, I think long term, there's there's been a lot of damage over the last several years um, here in the state of Massachusetts this in-party fighting that has been going on, if you don't 100% support one person over the other, then you become that target or targeted um, from certain individuals. And I just think that's um, inappropriate and unfair, especially when you have current sitting state reps like we talked about. We went from 34 to 32 to 27, 27, now 25, you know, and, and so... When you're looking at the current sitting state reps that are running for re-election, we should be getting the support from our mass GOP, but instead we're getting continuously targeted by the, the GOP party because we don't support one candidate or we don't support this candidate or we don't or we supported this candidate or didn't support that candidate. Instead of just supporting us as elected officials and keeping those seats, let alone trying to 
add seats. Mm. I mean, it's, 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 it's frustrating. Yeah, it's, it's like any organization. It's about leadership. And it's about how people lead. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, none of us have a, have a seat at the table for that leadership. Um, you know, there are 80, uh, there are 80 uh, people who are elected to actually oversee the mass GOP and elect the leader for leadership for that. Right. And we don't have, we don't have, you know, we don't have a say in that. Uh, but we do know that, like, again, any organization, any business ever run, if your leadership is not doing the job, then you need to go and you need to, you need to make a change because you need to get people to start working together. Or get that leader to get people to work together. Mm-hmm. So basically, this is a, a systemic type of a, yeah. a, an issue. I think so. That that may not be solved anytime soon. <laughs> Maybe that, not in our lifetime. That would be... Is that possible? That well, would be my assumption, Kevin. Well, there is uh, a, there is a vote coming up in January, correct? Right. Uh, so there's the chairman's vote in January. Uh, actually, there's uh, like four or five candidates that have already announced. Um, so we're going to see what the state committee does here. Uh, the current chairman has not said whether or not he's going to run. Uh, obviously, most of the listeners probably do not know who the current chairman is. So the current chairman is Jim Lyons. He's a former state representative. Uh, he's been in control of the Mass GOP since 2019. 2019. Has been long. Right. Well, it's been four. It's been two cycles now. So the way that the the election works is that. Immediately following the November elections in January, the state committee meets every two years to elect a new chair or to reelect the old chair. Um, and so, I mean, we'll see what they do in January. Um, but uh, as Matt and Allison have both laid out, uh, it has been a interesting battle um, with Jim at the head of the chairmanship so far. But I think that this has precedes... Jim, you know, I've been hearing this for a while, for the past fifteen years. That there's always ongoing fights, and the you know that you have folks who are who who want to be uh, more of a Tea Party esque type of mm-hmm. uh, Republicans, yeah. and who want to be more farther right. I mean, is, is that yeah. part of it? Is that you, you have different philosophies within yeah. the party that that don't know how everybody wants to train a driving yeah the exactly. party bus and, and it, nobody it, wants to relate exactly and like i said you know back in 2014 it was a little bit different it was probably more the opposite mm. side of that and uh you know it's it's not squarely on jim this whole thing it, it is it is systemic of what it's been ha- what's been happening but yeah. we've got to figure out the uh, uh, the leadership of this and J- jim's a good guy i worked with jim as a state rep we sat in the same row together you know and, and i and i you know i appreciate his conservative values and loved his speeches on the floor i mean he, he was he was terrific but i think as a as a leader of, of this organization you need to be somebody that's somewhat neutral to mm-hmm. be able to bring people together and you're right kevin we we haven't been able to do that for over a decade, and we have to figure that out sooner than later because, as you said, we are a small portion of this political fabric in this Commonwealth. And unfortunately, it seems to be getting smaller every yeah. time the Secretary of State's office gives us new numbers. Uh, so the latest numbers that came out, the Republican Party has basically lost another percentage point in the, un- in the enrolled voters that are currently en- enrolled in the Republican Party. And that's what you're mainly seeking is, is those unenrolled, unenrolled. voters. Yeah. 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 They're key. Yeah. When, when, when uh, Governor Baker won in 2014, I'll never forget how him talking about it. It was a whole mathematical equation of how he won and how we had to figure out how to do that. And it was a slim margin he had to win by. And he only won by a slim margin because that's all you can do in Massachusetts. But he was able to bring everyone together to actually do that, though. Mm-hmm. And if you don't bring everyone together in Massachusetts, you can't get a Republican in the corner office. Again, if you're just uh, tuning in, we're talking about the Republican Party. Where, where do things stand 
these days with the party, here we are just, you know, just a few weeks after the state election. Uh, we have uh, state representatives, uh, Allison Sullivan-Almeida, Matt Muratori, and uh, Greg Eaton from uh, Right Massachusetts podcast that can be heard, I believe, on any any platform. Any major platform. Any major. And Tom Joyce uh, Tom from Joyce. New Boston Post. It's a free plug, Tom. Don't forget it. <laughs> uh, throw that out there. Um, and we do have we do have somebody on the line. We'll take him. We'll take that individual in just a couple of moments. Um, how about the candidates? How about the quality of candidates? Does that matter? The quality of candidates. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously the the quality of. Uh, I feel the, some. I feels like some. You know, the quality of candidate has to also be something that's taken into. You know, so that kind of ties directly into what I was just talking about with the party enrollment. Uh, the bottom line is that the fewer people that are enrolled in the party, the less likely you are to get candidates uh, and a more uh, right-leaning candidate emerges because there is less voices that are not super far right in the Republican Party anymore. So the smaller that our enrollment becomes, the more the recruiting of candidates becomes a problem. And we actually saw that at the statewide level where the Republican Party was unable to find someone to run for treasurer in 2022. I mean... And I'll I'll tell you, on our level, I think think that, you know, we had some good candidates out there Mm -hmm. for Republicans that, that could run, but... But they needed the resources. They needed the support. Right. And there's and only they, so much we get, can do. They did not get that. I no, mean, they you, did you, not you, get that. And they would. And I'll tell you, they've expressed to me the couple of them that I know in this area. They expressed their disappointment right. that they didn't get those resources. Now we try as reps to, you know, to help them up, but we have our own races to run too. Right. So it's right. hard for us to really get, you know, help them out as much as we can. Yeah, because you had an election this year, and yeah. a, you know, an yeah. opponent, and so yeah. did and I. And yeah. you, I mean, you look at even our colleague, you know, Tim Whalen, who is a. a, yeah. a fabulous individual um, and would have been a phenomenal sheriff and he didn't even secure that seat and and it's it's frustrating because i think if he had those resources i mean when you look at a countywide race i mean it's all hands on deck i mean you don't have that when you don't have organization like matt was saying like the mass gop that's organized where you can organize those standouts those literature drops those phone calls and those phone bankings that i received in 2018 that you probably received in 2014 Mm -hmm. having those you know kind of core concepts and to work off of that and use volunteers across the board and really organize organize together you don't have that you didn't have that this year you you barely had it in 2020 during a pandemic and you definitely didn't have it this year i mean we were trying to organize in plymouth county with um our current sitting da and thankfully he was re-elected but i know matt and myself both held standouts or literature drops when i'd go out greg would come with me and we drop you guys are active you guys were mm. team right. members we mm-hmm. you know we, mm. we went out for our colleague dave DeCoast at mm. one point um to drop literature for him and we included other literature because it's about getting that message out there so people know that there's a race in front of them a lot of people sometimes don't mm-hmm. even know who the da is or who your state rep is or who your state senator is Correct. it's about getting the message out there and the, and the republican party has always been that grassroots effort but there's with the grassroots effort is working together as a team, and we didn't do a good job of that this year. And if you look at the percentages of, excuse me, Greg, if you look at the percentages of some of these newer Republicans that ran races, they didn't lose by a lot. No. And it's that whole, that thin margin that that we have as Republicans, but if all hands are on deck, 
that could have helped get some of these people like like Tim Whalen. It could right. help get them over the top. Right. I think that one of the things that uh, Allison just alluded to is that in Plymouth County, there is a sense of a uh, cohesive unit. Um, yeah. I think that all the reps that are down here and all the operatives and the DA and the sheriff, the sheriff. and all of the it, everyone's right. Mm-hmm. Everyone's kind of on the same page and everyone's communicating with each other and we all understand what the goal is and we all understand how to execute that goal. So if anything, if there's any like, you know, hope out there, I think that it you can look at places like Plymouth County and frankly places like Worcester County as places that we can build on what's going on there and use that as a model to hopefully build the rest of the party. I'm going to ask a question, and I think I already know the answer, but I'm going to throw it out there. The governor's race. If there was a little bit more of a team effort, could we have at least had the race called at 830? Uh, I think that Jeff was in a uphill battle from uh, Jump Street. Okay. Uh, limited funding was the biggest problem for Jeff. But if, if you had if you had that help funding wise and, and getting the word the out there, would have been a, all the resources would it have been a closer race? Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. I mean, you just look at the resources that we had, like in twenty eighteen, uh, and I I speak on twenty eighteen just because of that. That was my first time running for office. In twenty twenty, it was a pandemic. I didn't have an opponent in twenty twenty, mm. but in twenty eighteen. The Mass GOP itself had a, a very substantial fund to, to pull from to help candidates across the ticket, uh, down the k- ticket, I should say, across the Commonwealth. I don't believe we had those same kind of resources uh, this this year. At least I didn't receive any of them. And uh, just a good yeah. example of that, just quickly, Kevin, uh, the, um, the, the mailers that I did, we usually do three mailers, and the mailers that I did cost um, altogether about $5,000 more because there wasn't resources on the GOP mm-hmm. um, to, to help with that, with those mailers. So uh, usually I'll end up with four or $5,000 left in my account. I have a few hundred dollars left in my account now. Wow. Well, joining us uh, to, to chime in is uh, someone who can kind of talk from a one, one-time county level, uh, county former county commissioner, Dan Pallotta. I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How are, th- how are things out in the Berkshires treating you? It's awesome out here. People <laughs> <laughs> out the eastern part of the state keep taking all the state's resources. Are you a Democrat yet, Dan? Yeah, I'm not a Democrat yet, but I, I feel bad about your account. I'm ready to throw you a bone. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Will there be any meat on that bone, though, is what the question is. So, i, I got to tell you, I have, a, I have a completely different take on your subject matter. So I got elected in 2012, and, and it was a different, completely different uh, environment in 2012. Than even in 2014, Matt, when you ran, yeah. And, and in 2012, um, only two Republicans statewide were elected: myself and a, and a representative from Amesbury. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was it. The whole state, two. Uh, I didn't get a call from the GOP asking what we did, how did we do it, right. what were our numbers, nothing. How much did we spend? I got zero, zilch, nothing. I never heard from anybody. The first time I heard from the state was in, uh, I think it was around 2015 or 16 when they opened up the regional office in Pembroke, which was great for candidates to to access those resources. 
But the, the Republican Party is going to be dead in Massachusetts until the Republican Party can stand for something. Um, we need to stand right. for uh, conservative values. And that doesn't mean socially conservative, which is the third rail in Massachusetts. That means fiscally conservative. Mm-hmm. Uh, the state government grew tremendously under the eight years of the Baker administration. And, and, I, and I, it, it, didn't, it wouldn't have really mattered because it would have been overrode anyway um, because of the numbers. But it, it, it was almost as if we didn't try. And I, I think we have to do a better job of trying. I think we all know there's problems in every single department in the state. Uh, at every level, county, local, and, and and state, and I think we have to we have to offer the uh, we have to offer solutions, and I and and the infighting is a huge problem uh, since since John Lyons took over. There's been no money, yeah. zero. Yeah. There's been there's been a lot of emails and a lot of back and forth, but there's been no money yeah. and no help to the candidates yeah. and. You know, Dan, you're right. We we have to get back to basics, and that, that's what I'm trying to say. Is we, we have to get back to basics and get together. Now we are going to have differences on things, and that's fine. But of we have course. to get the we have to get the basics of what the Republican Party is all about. I've been a Republican my entire life, and I believe in in the brand of the Republican. But there are things within the Republican Party that maybe I feel a little bit differently about, mm-hmm. and Allison does, and Greg mm-hmm. does. But that's okay. But the basic core, we need to get back on the same page. With you're absolutely right. So I have a quick question. Is, is each community has its own town or city mm-hmm. Republican town committee, right? Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, not, they're supposed not to. All of them. Yeah, yeah, not all of them are formed. Okay, not all right. of them are formed. Mm-hmm. If you're talking grassroots, and that's you know the the stamp of the Republican Party, maybe that's something that maybe those seeds need to be replanted. They're divided. Maybe some, they're, the ones that are that are still living and breathing are divided as well. Right. Mm-hmm. And each community is different next yeah, door to each the other. State, the state committee men and state committee women yeah. are divided. Yeah. The, everything about it is divided. Mm-hmm. And one of the problems that the Republicans have that the Democrats don't have is that the Republicans don't generally um, use patronage um, right. to, mm. grow their, to grow their base because right. the Republicans generally don't want to work for government. That, which is a, an offshoot of conservatism, mm-hmm. and that that needs to change. You know, it's not a bad it's not a bad career to have a career in government, right? And and we have we have stigmatized that in Massachusetts between Howie Carr and his hackerama crap and and <laughs> and everything else um, to the point where we can't we can't we can't create that that grassroots base that the Democrats have. Whenever there's an election. You know, all, all the sign holders are union union people for the Democrats. Right. Every single one of them. Yep. They're paid to be there. They're not there because they're volunteering. Uh, we don't yeah. have that. It's also hard to have a party with patronage when you aren't winning any seats. Uh, yeah. So. I, no, I, I trust me. I, I get it. I, I, I do. I, I, we got a long way to go, but we need to start with, with the basic message, I think. And, I, and that needs to be fiscally conservative and moderately, socially moderate. Well, Dan, I want to thank you, and I want to thank you for calling in and, and being the voice of reason as a part of this, part of this conversation. Really? <laughs> I'm you, I'm... I'm uh, it, it was, I don't think Dan's ever been called that. The voice of reason, that's that's rich. It was my little... I wasn't allowed to be in the 
in the GOP club. <laughs> <laughs> it was my little Christmas gift to Dan. Yeah. You're not allowed in Plymouth County anymore either. That's why we kicked you out <laughs> to Berkshire <laughs> County. That's okay. Great right talking to you, Dan. I'll, I'll, take it, I'll take it out here in the Berkshire guys. Dan, thank you so much for calling in. Yeah, Dan. Bye-bye. There he is. Dan Pallotta, uh former Plymouth County commish. Um uh, he, when he said though, I think he, I think he mm-hmm. touched on a couple of things. Yep. He might have even reiterated a few things that mm-hmm. you guys were, were were touching upon as well. What do we want to say in closing here? Because I, I know that this is you know this is something that's you know going to evolve and it's either or devolve. I, I, I'm opt- I'm optimistic that we we can come together. I think this is a low point for the party, and whether it's with current leadership or new leadership, I I think. I think we've all kind of learned a lesson. Okay. And even some of the conservative uh, folks that I talk to, it, they're kind of a little fed up with the way things have been going. And they're, they're tired of losing. People are tired of losing and want to kind of get back to that, that <clears throat> balance at least. We're never going to have the majority, but at right. least that kind of balance. But if you want to, I mean, I think it starts today. If you're going to look to make gains in the legislature in two years, and if you're going to make a serious run at the executive branch, at governor... Or even at one of the constitutional offices, which are hard to get. But you know what? If you you want to make some real strides, you want to make a mark, I think it starts today. Right. Yep, absolutely. It, we have to have the discussion in order, the hard discussion like this, in order to make change. Right. Anything in closing, Greg? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, like Matt said, I think that this is a dark period in our history. Um, but I think that the most important thing is that we look back on this and we learn from it and we proceed forward as a party. Because if you don't learn from your history, then there's no point in having done it. So You continue making those mistakes. Right. <laughs> you do. Allison? You know, I, I'm going to echo these two. I'm very optimistic. I, I know that there is a solid base out there. It's just kind of getting everyone together and, and getting the hard work done and really coming to terms with that we might not always get our way completely, but that we can work together uh, for the common good. Make some gains. Yeah, amen. Amen Matt, to that. Closing. Yep. yep, amen to that. I want to thank the three of you for for being well, my guests. Oh, Kevin, before I before we end, I know we've been talking about the Mass GOP and the GOP party, but I do have to give a little plug and shout out to one of our uh, favorite Democrats, <gasps> who I say is an honorary Republican because she um. You mean jelly? Yeah, to my <laughs> peanut butter. Um, Kathy Lenatra, she's awesome. I'm missing you tonight because it seems weird being in the yeah, studio yeah, yeah. without her. We got to get Matt on here one day uh, with yeah, us. Because normally it's you and Kathy in studio, and, yeah. and, and Matt opining from afar, going, "I wish I was there." Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Matt will always text us when we're here, so he it, give him a hard time. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I, I, uh, I'm probably going to be getting that text from Kathy any minute now. Uh, she's still listening, but <laughs> maybe sometime either before the end of 2022 or maybe the beginning. The three of you, we do a. Give you a full 45 minutes just to kind of talk about the year that was. Yeah. Happy to be here. We do that. And you're welcome to come in as well. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Afterthought. (laughs) No, no, no. Greg's always invited. Greg's good. As long as he comes without Tom, he'll be fine. (laughs) Yes, please. (laughs) Uh, But again, thank you so much. And and, uh, may you all have uh, blessed holidays. holidays. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And happy anniversary to um, the pub, right? Yes. Richard Rosen's pub. 13 years. 13 years. That's great. And I want to give a quick shout out. I know I'm not taking up too much time to the depot. Uh, Kathy is going to be missed uh, yes. very much so. 23 years, 23 years uh, in a couple of weeks. So mm-hmm. sad to see her go, but I can understand it. 
And so. a little love to George, who's also Yes, my husband, well. he's behind us right now. A little love so. to George. That's where the Almeida comes from. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to step aside. The final segment of Monday Night Talk is upon us. You are tuned in Monday Night Talk here at 95.9 WHD. Stay tuned. Is Monday Night Talk with your host Kevin Tachi on 95.9 WATD. You like my new car? Well, I like that new car smell. What is that infernal binging? Oh, it's part of the driver assist. Standard equipment nowadays. Assist? Yeah, watch. Hey, cut that out. You're way too close. Yeah, it's, it's telling me that. See the text? Watch out. What was that? You were driving too close. That truck snapped back a rock. And now I have a cracked windshield? You know, your mother was a way better driver assist. Please, kindly check your windshield. I'm Peter Brown from Tiny and Sons Glass. We replace your windshield and insurance pays. 1-888-64-TINIES. Just call. And thank you. Don't miss the Just Steph Show every Monday night from 8 to 10 p.m. for fun guests and tips on living your best life every day. I'm bringing sexy back to Monday nights. Tonight from 8 to 10 on 95.9 WATD. Download the Monday Night Talk podcast from iTunes for free. Just search for Monday Night Talk WATD. We now return to Kevin Tachi and Monday Night Talk. All right, we are back. Sorry, you know, it's what's crazy about like a radio program is like the crossover, like. You know, you're saying goodbye to your last guest, and then you're welcoming your next guest, and then one of your guests who's coming in knows one of the guys who's coming out. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, I know you. Hey. <laughs> and they hug, and it's like, oh, guys, the music. It's like, we're back. Joining us for the final segment is Nubertson Rattel and Will MVP Madero. Yes, sir. They are from Newbie Productions, award-winning Emmy award. Well, it's more than just an Emmy because you guys have won uh, many awards. What is it? Over many years. awards. What is it? Nobie ninety-eight, ninety-nine. Yeah, something like that. I lost count. <laughs> yeah, you know what's funny is I was watching the, the this year's Greater Brockton <clears throat> Holiday Parade, and I'm astounded that we've got. We, was it ten million? What was the number of that you, that you and John uh, somehow? Uh, well, we're still tabling the numbers. The parade, I think, it's up to like twelve million people. <laughs> twelve million. Yeah, people it blows away. It blows away. The, it blows away the Macy's the Day Parade. Ma- the million. Blows I away. was in it. I was one of the. Yeah, I know. I was one that's, of the floats. Why, that's why it went so high. That's I think. I think that was. Yeah, record-breaking pace. <laughs> They're still counting the numbers though, so we don't know for a fact. We gotta check that out. Okay, but uh, good to have you guys here. It's been a while since I think... Great to be here. All of us... When's the last time all three of us have been on the show? I think it might have been years. It might have been Protect, Serve, and Care. Because I remember what was on before with, with the Brockton Rocks. We did a remote show. That's I right. was out of town. That's right. Then I, Wait, I, I, I was that wasn't, that wasn't prior to uh, our good friend... Uh, 
passing, was it? Or was it, it the was, year before? Was it? I'm not sure. Mayor Bill Carpenter? Yeah, I think it was. But, um, and then... Yeah, wow. Yeah, so all three of us, it's been it's been one or the other for yeah. a while. Well, we're back. One big family reunion over here. It's getting a little emotional, to be quite frank with you. <laughs> well, no, so the, there's a purpose to having you here. Yes. The purpose to having you here is is to kind of put the... To kind of have a post discussion. You guys have been out showing I am you, right? This is your latest, greatest creation. Yep. Uh, if I'm correct, this was conceived to discuss the ongoing issue with immigration. Correct? Absolutely. Or have I, did I not put kind of in the right the microcosm? Or, or, or no, what do you think? Good. Okay. Yeah, there we go. Good. I got to look Listen, well. Listen, you're good at your job. Okay. <laughs> That's why they pay you the big bucks. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I wanted to have you guys in to kind of take in what you're hearing. Because it isn't just showing, it isn't just gathering three or four hundred people into a movie theater and them all clapping and then they walk out and they throw away their popcorn and their soda and that was a great movie and that's it. No, because what follows is a discussion. It gives folks an opportunity to take in, to take in and process this problem that we are having on a greater level as a nation... And, and to speak about it. So this is an opportunity for you guys to talk about what have you been able to harness from your audiences in regards to this issue we have with immigration and what the message you shared with them through I Am You. Well, you know, I'll go first. I think... Um and, and, and the message is not finished. Let, let me be clear on that, you know, because we're still touring the document, so the message is never really complete finished. But one thing I've noticed, actually one person told me this um, during one of the lens screenings, and he said, you know what, the doc, one thing the document has taught him is that there's not one solution for everything. And, and it isn't one size fits all. It's not a one size fits all. And, you know, to to be blind and think, you know, whether you're Democrat, Republican or or this or conservative or liberal, you know, in, in, in theory, that works in theory, two plus two is four. But that's not always the case. OK. And, and, and one thing we realize is that there's so many different perspectives geographically where you are in the country, whether you live in a border state or you live right here in New England. The immigration policies, people are going to feel differently just depending where you are. And it's not making their opinion or perspective wrong. It's just that's the reality of their situation. And, and that's, that was the biggest thing I got. And I think um, one thing that I'm really proud of that we did is I think we were able to take Trump supporters, Biden supporters, or Bernie Sanders supporters to some type of agreement. And I think we, I, I think just doing that, we deserve like a Nobel Peace Prize or something. <laughs> Did you have people doing the, 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 the shooting footage of of this? We have and footage then, of it. And, then, and then putting a package together and send it to the Nobel Prize people? We're, we're considering, we're in the works right now. Let's go let the popcorn listen, pop. Everything can listen, happen at once. We are two humble guys, okay? We don't like to <laughs> pat ourselves on the back. So okay. Right, right, right. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> But but what do you what do you what have you heard? Um, is there is there any memorable so quotes think, that you've heard? Um, I think more so the memorable quotes is the actions that have come from it. Newbie's gonna can touch more upon it, but like um, even um, people in the documentary that are going through 
um, immigration processes or their family members are, just to be able to tell their stories in front of other people, like in the panel discussion. And um, I remember at the first one, um, the one of the young men in the movie, he um, he received donations from people in the crowd because he needed help with the with um, his father's going through a tough time of becoming. Um, he's trying to get his father back, I believe, into the country, and he's trying to go to college himself, but he's still an immigrant, even though he was a straight A student, one of the newbies kids. So. Again, just the fact that people in the crowd sympathize with the stories and are and, and want to help. Like, that's crazy. I mean, to not know somebody and just want to, you know, help in that capacity. And just what Will said, um, and, and again, I don't want, I don't want to speak, um, you know, too much about his particular situation w without him being to just have respect for him. But I, what we, what, what, what I'm really proud of is that in terms of one of our um, uh, people in the documentary, which is Eric Hernandez, um, there is progress to him um finding a path to citizenship and and, and, uh, and I'm sure you know he can probably give a little more details in terms of that and you know if the documentary helped in some capacity in that um, you know it's funny I um, I was joking around one of the teachers in the school I said you know what I'd, I'd replace an Emmy award for citizenship or a path to citizenship for um, for Eric and if you know they're there the the progression is there and you know um, and I'll just leave it at that. And if the documentary helped in terms of getting that, that's something I'm really proud of. How do you feel about your storytelling? Do you feel that your storytelling has evolved, your collective storytelling has evolved to a level that it's it's helping folks in need or it's, it's bringing light to a situation that a lot of folks might have been a bit ignorant to? I, I think so. I think that... Um when people look at newbie productions and they look at like where we're from, who we are, how far we've come, I think people appreciate the fact that we've come this far and we're able to to evolve every year and just and just keep picking these issues that are important to where we're from. And because of that, we become kind of like I don't I, I don't want to say, but at the same time, we become like a magnet where people do want to come to us and pick our minds and and they feel like we might have connections that can help with these problems it almost creates like a network i'd say that like that's that's what's come of this is create a network where we can reach out to people in in different um in different um places that can help with these things that we're talking about in our documentary so i just feel like that's huge i i think so i think um we've grown um you know it's funny when we when we first started uh i, I it's I, I feel like we we're almost running around you know, to just try try and get everything. But now we have like a routine in the system, and I, you know, the really cool thing is that people now are jumping on board and, and making the routine and system bigger and, and better. You know, I, I can finally say we have a real team, a real production team, um, about you know four or five different people that make our jobs a lot easier. And now we're more kind of we're leaders. Yeah. We're we're now more of an executive yeah. producer leadership role. You know, instead of I get to I get to sit in the chair and yeah. point and say, "Hey, you know, hey, you're doing that wrong." <laughs> it was great. You know, we we're doing a, we're doing a scene before it was a reenactment. We had a great cinematographer, Keith, um, Keith uh, Adams, Keith Adams, yeah, dynamite. And you know, myself and Will, we know we didn't touch a camera. You know, but we we had the vision from the perspective of before. So the team is just getting so much better and stronger. We have someone who you know who does our those are um, does all of our drone shots. You know, one of a former student, he's um, he just graduated Salem State. So there's a team now, and I think it's making things a lot easier for us to tell stories. So we can just focus on the telling the story part and the production part. You know, we have a little more people uh, who can handle that, which is really cool. But again, you, you, 
don't necessarily do the cake and ice cream, the easy, the easy discussions. You guys like you guys like tackling things that are the big fatherhood, gun violence, issues with you know sports. You're coming from a background of sports, from you know where you grew up. These aren't issues that you know that you know the Spielbergs, uh, you know the, the the different directors are, are uh, you know. You guys are you guys are jumping on things that are that need a little bit more information that folks will see it and go, oh, you guys are giving them that that extra. You're giving them the background to something that they may just see in passing. Um, Kev, I think um, I don't know. I don't want to speak for newbie, but I'm tired of like people like tiptoeing around the real issues that are going on right. today. Like, you know. We've had, like, in the last, just like in the last couple of months, you know, there's these issues that happen, and, and don't get me wrong, like, even in sports and stuff like that, they blow up these issues that aren't as important when there are literally, that immigration situation didn't just end with Trump. It's not like Trump left office and now these immigrants are all into the, no, there's still these camps around the United States, people are still being treated like that. Our last documentary was about police violence, you guys are still seeing things on social media. Mm -hmm. So these are the issues that aren't being talked about enough, and... I feel like with newbie, with me, we just feel like we want to keep putting the pressure on these issues so people know that it's still a thing. It's happening. You shouldn't have to make it a taboo subject that you can't talk about. We should be talking about these difficult conversations. And one thing that, that Will um, said is what separates, I think, our production from the, from, from the others in terms of telling a story, we're not like, oh, this, we want to listen. So we will give you an uncomfortable opinion. Okay, we will go down to the border, and you're not, and you're not sensationalizing it either. No. You're giving, you're giving yeah. the nuts and the bolts of what's taking place. We're not going to BS you. <laughs> we literally went to the border with a border agent, and we saw the People quote unquote pranks. Trump yeah. wall. Yeah, yeah. So we're telling you the story. There's no, there's no sugarcoating here. Yeah. Okay, so, but we do live in Brockton with a city of immigrants, and some people are undocumented, and we live with them. We know they're great people, and 99% of them are doing great work, and they're doing jobs that other people don't want to do. So we had the perspective of telling those different stories. And one thing is that I've always tell people, if you want to do documentary work, okay, I could tell you all this crap about cinematography and editing, all this other stuff. At the end of the day, if people don't trust you, you have nothing. Yeah. And we develop a reputation where people trust us. No matter integrity. what integrity. No matter what political side you are, they trust us it's to those stores. Integrity. That's why we're here. We there's, trust Kev. There's, yeah, there's trust a, Kev. I trust a, Kev to take a bullet for me. There's <laughs> integrity. <laughs> there's integrity. But but again, you guys have you know, you have through your bodies of work, your different films, you have gained integrity. And I think um, you know, we we gain integrity because the people in the film I always say we have a award-winning film because we have award-winning people. Mm. It takes some real cojones to tell your story, yes. you know. And and I'm I, to be frank with you, you know, I'm not sure if I can put my business out there like that, like the the way they're doing. Yeah. So you know, ultimately, yeah, we are directing it, and you know, the, the, our names are on it. But the people in the film, that's where those stories are coming from. So they deserve the most respect and the most credit. We're speaking with the newbie Rateau and Will Madero. And they are with Newbie Productions. We're talking about, uh, first and foremost, the film, their most recent film, I Am You, and also in general filmmaking and, and what, it, what it takes to be a filmmaker. And not only just to put, not only just go out and shoot stuff, but to tell a story. And to tell a story so it, it resonates with 
the person who spends the time, whether it's half an hour, an hour, two hours of their life, and that they learn something and they come away with something. Is there a thought where there's so much behind the immigration situation? Any of these films that you've done, ever thought of doing a, a follow-up or a sequel? Or is it a matter of there's so many issues, there's so many life's issues that you want to you want to try to take a chance at tackling some of those and and breaking it down well um i think that um just for the sake of of highlighting all the issues that happen to us and there's a whole bunch of them in, in our communities i think we like to just tackle all the different ones just so we can show the all the different problems you know because it's not just unfortunately it's not one ongo ongoing thing that's know? right in everybody's lives we have a whole bunch of problems and and we want to talk about them because that's that's these things. Uh, excuse me. These are the things that happen in the inner city. You know, we come from Brockton. It's the same story. If anywhere else, you know, New York City, Boston, anywhere where it's an urban society, there's a bunch of problems, and we, we want to show we want to show people that there's beautiful people that grow inside of these cities. So Amen. we want to highlight the people, especially to tell the story. So I think. You know, and in terms of a follow up, I mean, frankly, you know, um, it sounds good, but you know. It, this the, the time commitment that it takes to do a documentary. Our follow up is the panel discussions. That is our follow up. As we do the documentary, okay, cool. You want to talk to Eric Carlito? Sure, yeah. The follow up is, is the panel discussions. You know, we've thought about doing um, um, a series actually before COVID for this particular documentary, but this logistically wasn't possible right. in, the, in terms of the amount of time it took and COVID kind of you know really made everyone's plans kind of go upside down. But the the best follow up is 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 the panel discussions. You know, our documentaries are always. Like I said before, it's not a movie where there's an ending. There's no ending to the documentary. Mm. This immigration... Because it's ongoing. It's still going. It's ongoing. Man. You know, there's still issues going on. Agnes, wonderful lady from, from California, you know, her son passed away. Her son's not coming back. She has to live with that every day mm -hmm. after the documentary. So these are real-life stories that I think, you know, these panel discussions allow people to, you know... Um, really breathe and, and, and really express the opinion. So that's the ultimate follow-up in, in our case is yeah. having these live panels. Speaking of that, live panels, we're still looking to screen um, all of next year. So if anyone's interested in um, doing live panels and showing the documentary, uh, please reach out to us. The best way to contact us is on our website. It has number and email, newbieproductions.com, N-O-U-B-E, productions, all one word, dot com. Do, do you feel that you're going to go into the spring Continuing to show IMU until your next project. I have you started to let the wheels turn for a new project, or are you feeling passionate about this one? That this one needs a greater. It needs more eyes on it and more conversations via the panels. Well, the wheels are always spinning. I know they are. The wheels are always spinning. The wheels never stop. <laughs> I okay. Know. I knew the answer to the question. We're 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 talking about documentary ideas. I mean, for we, we got. I mean, for Kev, for Kev loves, five, loves to be the first guy to, to know about the next idea. I actually do. So the wheels I won't are lie spinning. To you. <laughs> but um, in, in in terms of showing in um next year, we applied for a couple of grants from the Cultural Council. Nice. Um, we're looking, you know, hopefully to get some funding to possibly do one in Brockton. We're looking to do one at the state house with some state reps to start the conversation okay to see if people who are undocumented can get financial aid on the state level for colleges and I think that's very important because the people who are undocumented are paying the same taxes sometimes we are frankly okay and and they're not getting some of the, the benefits and listen you know the kid who's a dreamer who comes in at, at three years old 
they don't know sometimes the language of their native country. Mm-hmm. And if they're getting straight A's and they have some stipulations that, that they're that they're working really hard, make, let's just say they make highest honor or get straight A's, you can't tell me that person can't get financial aid. So I want to push that conversation. On the federal level, is different. But on the state level, what can we do on the state level to get people who are undocumented some sort of financial aid? So really important to start that conversation. I think a screen at the state house would do so. Do you feel that we the strides have been made? I mean, a law to allow undocumented uh, immigrants an opportunity to get a driver's license. Well, that lies. That law has passed. Well, yeah, it's passed. It was vetoed by Charlie Baker. I think it was vetoed because he knew it was going to be overrided by the by the state house. I think it was a political move. Mm. You know, knowing that you know he's a- right. But they, there was also a law. There was also a ballot question trying to repeal it, and yeah. that was not successful. Hey, breaking news, Kevin. They're driving regardless. <laughs> Miles will make the road safer. Either way, they're going to drive. I want them to pass a test. Before they can get their license. Bravo. Well Makes said. sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. When you say it like that. You're getting me hot right now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Am I now? Yes, a little bit. <laughs> no, uh, no early, nothing early in regards to a new project? Or, or you're not, you're not, you're not there yet? Well, I mean, well, I mean, I mean, there are two topics we, we haven't touched yet. Um, we haven't touched on education. We haven't touched on social media. We haven't touched on homelessness. Ooh. So, you know. All, all three? We haven't touched ben, on those. I, I, I didn't say, I said we, we didn't touch on those. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. I would, I would say, home, uh, you know, the, the homeless issue, a uh, long been is one of those things that's a, a hot button issue that folks will say, we'll, we'll talk a good game. And at the end, that's all it is. It's a game. But there's still people who need a home. There's still, and you talk social media, we see it all the time. Yeah. Social media, it's, there's a lot of good it, it can do. <laughs> so it's real crazy stuff that people do. And then, do you know, say. me and Will are both in education, work with kids. Right. So, right. you know, it'll be, it'll be fun. No matter what we do, we'll, we'll have fun with it. It'll be intense. It'll be uncomfortable. It'll be entertaining. That I can guarantee. Now, do you have any, any um, screenings that you want to promote right now? Do we have anything that's, that's, mm. Coming up, that if folk, your folks still want to get tickets, or is that still in the planning stage? That's right now. So right now, we're just um, waiting for some. We apply for some grants. We will have screenings. Um, so so right now, it's two, TBA. We just did a screening a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago, Bridgewater State. Um, were so we will do screenings. I'd say probably early spring um, to to late winter, and we're going to ramp back up. Um, I know the NAACP is doing a, a huge conference. So if anyone's listening there right now, they're having a national conference in Boston. Would love to do something over there if you guys are listening. Would love to do something at the national um, conference that they're having in Boston. And um, any colleges who are interested, we're all ears. We want to show it. We want to have a panel. We're ready. I'm coming. Like Deion Sanders, we're coming. What do you think think of Deion going to Colorado? Hey, I'm just saying the best line was this. He said, <laughs> uh, "He said, listen, got him, y'all spots I've already been taken already because I'm bringing my luggage with me, and it's Louie. <laughs> That's so crazy. That is, that is crazy. I want to thank both of you for for coming in tonight and, and talking uh, talking about this, giving us an update. I know we had talked about seeing if you could get a panelist in here and to join the conversation, but I, you know what? I think at the end of the day, I think you both said it and said it well as to where things stand 
and, and how things are going with the film. If you were to rank I Am You with all... Oh, man, don't do this. All of the movies that, that you have proudly produced, the two of you, what is the rank? Well, why don't you go ahead and take that one? I'm talking uh, too much. Really? I was gonna, I'm talking I too just... much. <laughs> <laughs> I know I am. Um, in terms of production, um, I'd say it's top two. You know, because I think I think every production is better than the last. Personally, I feel like we always um, we add a new element. We speed things up a little bit. We try cool little things. The team gets stronger. People play their roles better. So, I think um, you know it's up there in terms of being my favorite. It's definitely up there in the top three too because it's um it, it's about it's a story that touches close to home. Like my mom's it was an immigrant. My father was an immigrant. I have a lot of immigrants in my family. So. You know, it, it's really close to home, so I, I definitely say it's 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 up there for sure. You say you took a shot at me. You said people take their roles, did their roles better. I think I was a shot at me. <laughs> <laughs> people did their roles better. I'm not gonna mention any names. He stayed in this place. <laughs> you see, this guy is a troublemaker. This is what I deal with on on the set but you all know the what time. Though, this is this, this is the chemistry you guys have. This this is how success is. I I, I don't say I don't say I say something in general and nobody's like yeah. oh yeah I got you will yeah there's some people in the production company want to be all in the videos <laughs> laughing dancing so what do you, so, so, I know you filibustering yeah so what do you rank it I know you filibustering what do you rank it well protect serving care. Um, Won the, Emmy, won the Emmy, so I'm gonna put that number one. Okay. I think the most impactful is IMU, but I think the most underrated was Out of Bounds. We should have won an Emmy for that one. And I'm still mad to this day about yeah. that. I thought IMU was the revenge was the revenge tour. It's not done yet. The tour's not done yet. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. awesome. And, and and listen, if if IMU does what what I wanted to do in terms of helping out people, it will be the most successful film, and I think it's it's getting there. Newby Richel, Will Madero, I want to thank you both. Appreciate you having us, man. And, uh, hey, check out their website. Website folks want to find out for... NewbyProductions.com, N-O-U-B-E Productions, N-O-U-B-E Productions.com, all one word. Just for screenings or their upcoming productions. I want to thank you guys for all of you for tuning into tonight's program. Until next week at 6.15 p.m., have yourself a great evening.